This Israel report is brought to you by the Blue Agency. Your Israel property is in good hands. Owning properties in Israel can be a great investment, but challenging to manage if you are based abroad. The Blue Agency will manage every aspect of your property, finding and vetting tenants, maintaining your property and getting it rental ready, negotiating contracts and collecting rentals, reporting back to you regularly. The Blue Agency has built a reputation for trust and confidentiality over 20 years. The Blue Agency, your Israel property is in good hands. Contact us at www.thebueagency.com. The Israel Report for the latest news and insights with Anthony Reich. Anthony Reich, Bokertov, good morning. How are you? Bokertov, yeah, we're still reeling, um, following the news yesterday of such a massive loss of life um, of IDF soldiers. Before we talk about that, Howard, because I think we're going to spend some time just Mm, discussing mm. um, that particular incident, some of the facts and some of the thoughts that come out surrounding an incident like that which is the largest loss of uh, life of idf soldiers in the war so far but i wanted to make listeners aware of a little um, disagreement that took place within israel's health ministry at the end of last week because there was um, a directive that was issued demanding that wounded residents of gaza or lebanon who were evacuated by the IDF and transferred to Israel should be treated in Israeli hospitals. That was a directive that was actually issued by the Ministry of Health. And interestingly, the health minister, Uriel Busso, um, then got involved and instructed the health ministry's director general to actually cancel this instruction. And what Busso said was, there is no change to his unequivocal policy of not allowing terrorists, as well as residents from Gaza and Lebanon, to seek refuge in Israeli hospitals. Now, um, up until now, Israel has, in a a standard sort of way, treated civilians who need medical treatment in Israeli hospitals. There's never even really been a question about um, Israel doing that when civilians require medical aid. And even to be honest, even when people who have um, been involved with military activity and who come into Israel's hands and need medical attention, even they were treated by the Israeli medical system. Now, in light of everything that's happened over the last few months, there is this massive disagreement about whether we should treat even so-called innocent civilians. We never really know exactly how innocent the civilians are, particularly after some of the video footage that we saw of October the 7th of so-called innocent civilians coming through the, the, the Gaza fence and kidnapping Israeli civilians. Um, so one doesn't really know how innocent some of these civilians are, but I just wanted to raise this with listeners as a point of debate. Um, and the, you know, the real question is, should we be treating civilians who come from Gaza and Lebanon in Israeli hospitals? And if not, why not? Because one of the things that I think we don't want to do even in the context of this war, is lose our humanity. We are still human beings, and we still have empathy for other human beings. We now have to be a lot more cautious and careful about whether those human beings that we have the empathy for might present a risk to us, might present a threat to us. But we don't want to lose our empathy, do we? 
absolutely it's so interesting because unfortunately that's what what uh, one of the dangers of war and a conflict like this is it can reduce us to a much much lower moral level than that which we would want ever uh, to be on um so that's the that's yeah. really a massive dilemma that we're facing right now in thinking about how we deal with the situation. First of all, do we even believe in the concept of innocent civilians any longer right. in light of what we've seen? That's mm-hmm. a debate that we can still have, and I very much want to have. Um, but when people need medical attention, they clearly need of medical attention. By the way, when we saw our hostages being taken into Gaza, bleeding and injured, we expected that they would get a minimum medical attention. And the truth is that even that wasn't afforded to them as far as we can make out. Yeah. It's, uh, so what is the thought about, uh, and it is a difficult conversation, about innocent civilians? Because from everything I'm reading, uh, it, it would have been impossible to live in Gaza and not... Um, have understood that you were pretty much living on a military base, given the infrastructure, the military network, the proximity of rocket launchers, the the large-scale manufacturing of weapons. Uh, but that said, it doesn't mean necessarily that that people weren't oppressed. And, and we're starting to hear from voices. I'm hoping to, uh, in fact, confirm an interview tomorrow that we've been working quite hard on to speak to somebody in a refugee camp in Gaza who is very, very outspoken um, uh, about the of what what Palestinians have endured, and uh, and this person has 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 really had significant challenges because of trying to speak out against Hamas. So those voices we know do, mm. do exist, but to what there are voices to what degree and voices. to what numbers? Well, uh, it's it's very hard to know. Well, one of the stories, one of the, the common stories that we find coming out of Gaza from IDF soldiers who have served there say that really there are no innocent civilians. That's now a view that's being formed in light of <clears throat> on the ground experiences that people are having in Gaza. And what you said is true, that it would be absolutely impossible to live there without knowing and even being involved with some of the military activity and some of the planning that went on for the October the 7th massacre. And some stories coming out of IDF soldiers say that um, soldiers, when going into civilian buildings, are required to search each and every room of an apartment building or any civilian um, civilian building, whether it be a hospital or a school or just a regular residential apartment. Soldiers are required to search each and every room for explosives and for ammunition and arms that have been hidden. And the soldiers are telling us that the first room that they will go to in any private apartment that they come across that they're required to search, the first room that they go to will be the children's room Mm, mm, because mm. that's where they are likely to find most of the arms and ammunition hidden away in the toy boxes, in the closets, in the children's rooms. And what's more, they don't go in through the door of these apartments because those doors are inevitably rigged and booby trapped and the way that they need to enter those apartments is by making a hole through the wall in order to get into the apartment by making a hole through the wall in order to get into the room in order to ultimately discover the arms and ammunition that's been hidden away and sometimes the easiest way to get rid of all of that is simply to destroy the entire building because in doing that you know that you're destroying all of the arms and ammunition that's been hidden and all of the booby traps that have been rigged up there and that you are essentially 
helping to save lives of IDF soldiers who otherwise would need to go room by room. And of course, that kind of feeds in a little to the events that took place that we started to talk about yesterday while mm -hmm. I was on the air mm -hmm. um, with that huge incident um, in Gaza that saw the loss of 21 lives of IDF reservists with a further three reservists having been announced as having been killed in separate incidents. But certainly that one incident of the 21 soldiers, all of them reserve soldiers. Um, while we were on there yesterday, Howard, we, we heard about the first 10. And I hadn't realized when I was talking to you about those 10 soldiers and how significant of a loss that was, I didn't realize that that was just the first half of the story that was unfolding because a few moments after I finished my discussion with you, it became clear to me that we were really talking about 21 lives. And so let's just start with what actually happened on the ground. And of course, all of this information is limited to what I've been able to read and, and not everything has been um, uh, published uh, publicly. So um, I'm able just to tell you what I know at the moment, which is just um, little snippets of information. Um, IDF reserve forces, and this was really mostly forces from the Givati Brigade and also from um, the uh, Combat Engineering Brigades, they were going around clearing buildings of explosive devices and of arms and ammunition, as I've explained, is required because of the extent to which they are being hidden in these civilian areas. And it turns out that these 21 soldiers were all taking refuge in a building in Gaza, and we are told that they had with them some of these explosive devices that they had pulled out from various buildings in the surrounding area. And there may well also have been explosive devices that the soldiers themselves had brought along in order to destroy buildings that presented a threat or a risk to them. And with those 21 soldiers all together with these explosives with them, a rocket propelled grenade was fired towards a few buildings in that area, including this one where those 21 soldiers were located. The rocket propelled grenade apparently hit this building and the building collapsed. And um, we were not sure whether the uh, building collapse was as a result of the secondary explosion of the explosive devices that the soldiers had with them at the time, or whether the initial RPG that hit the building actually collapsed the building. But it seems to, uh, as far as I can understand, that the collapse of this building was really the main cause of what killed those 21 soldiers. Um, there are many questions that need to be answered about these activities. Why were so many soldiers in one building together? Why were they in the building together with all of those explosive devices? Um, are those explosive devices supposed to be there um, together with so many soldiers all at once? Um, it seems as if though the Hamas terrorists suddenly um, surprised them by coming out of an orchard and firing this RPG. We do know that the rocket-propelled grenade has been one of the most successful um, weapons that has been used by Hamas terrorists against IDF up until now, because it's extremely difficult to have any real answer to protect yourselves against those RPGs. And so that's been um, very much uh, a success story, if one wants to use those terms um, for Hamas in terms of the um, weaponry that they've been used, using. Um, late yesterday, the Chief of Staff, uh, Lieutenant General Herzi Alevi, flew down 
to the site along the border. And by the way, this location, this location where the IDF soldiers were were located and where the RPG hit them and killed them um, at the location was only a few hundred meters from the border with Israel and within shouting distance mm, mm. of the kibbutzim on the other side of the border. So this all goes to show to what extent the threat existed right along the border with Israel. And when we look at the names of the soldiers who were killed, um, we can't help just by taking a step back and saying, you know what, guys, with all the lack of unity that we experienced in the days and weeks and years leading up to this war and all the division and all the um, the things that we identified that made us different and, and caused us to disagree. When I look at this list of 21 names, this for me is the real Israel. People coming from every town, every city, every walk of life, all together, all reservists who were called out of their daily lives to come together and to serve to defend our country and that's really what makes us unique and special and not the divisions that were created in the days and weeks and years leading up to this war um, and not the divisiveness with which the government ruled because this group of 21 shows that when the government takes their foot off the petrol a little bit off that accelerator and these young men get together and women in this particular case there were no women involved yeah. but young men and women all come together from different walks of life to serve a common cause this is really what represents the state of israel and the jewish people and when i say the jewish people i use that word word loosely because amongst those 21 was Sergeant Major Ahmad Abu Latif from Rahat, who was a Bedouin mm. and who was a security guard at Ben Gurion University and was immensely proud to be an Israeli Bedouin and to be called up to the reserve forces. Amongst those 21 were t was 23-year-old Sidrik Garin. He was a young man who was brought to Israel from the Philippines by his parents when they came to work here as domestic cleaners. And he grew up in Israel as a troublesome child, as a teenager who got involved with police and with the law because of his troubled upbringing. And when he saw how much anguish that brought his mother, he decided to change his life and to enlist to the idea it was difficult for him to get accepted because he had a criminal background. Wow. But he somehow persisted and he was enlisted and he was rewarded with Chayal Mitztayen, the best soldier in his group for a particular occasion, for a particular event. He was given the most outstanding soldier award for his service in the IDF. And he was amongst those who was killed yesterday in those 21 reserve soldiers. It's, it's this just, starts yeah. to give us yeah, a, a feeling, mm. yeah, this is really what Israel stands for. This is what our people really stand for. And I couldn't be prouder of those 21 soldiers who were killed yesterday, and I couldn't be prouder of what they represent 
because what we saw before was not representative of us. We have the right to disagree and we don't want to always be along the same path. But when the, the chips are down and when the tough, tough decisions need to be made, this is the way we see ourselves. And as I say, I can go through this list and we can highlight each and every one each one special in his own name, a, a rabbi who was uh, teaching children, teaching young people, um, people who came from uh, the so-called West Bank areas, Karnei Shomron, and uh, someone from Herzliya, and from Osha'ai, and, and from Tel Aviv, and from Givatayim, and from Yehud Monson, and from Kiryat Arba. These are the people who are defending our country, and they're doing a fantastic job, and they're real heroes for us. There's absolutely no doubt. The the mood yesterday in across Israel must have been incredibly somber, very difficult, no doubt. Um, the mood continues to be very somber and difficult. Of course, when the news was breaking yesterday, we were in shock. Um, I think I expressed some of that yeah, even yeah. over the first 10 names yeah. yesterday morning as it was coming out. Um, but subsequently, when the remaining 2011 names were announced and the families were advised and the funerals began to take place, and we started to get a sense of who these people were who were killed in the defense of our country, um, we, I think the reaction was kind of a, a dual reaction. In the first instance, immense mourning and immense suffering uh, and, 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 and empathy and sympathy for the families themselves. But in fact, we feel the, the, the hurt. We feel the, the sense of mourning ourselves, even though we don't mm -hmm. personally know those people. Those are our children. Those are our members of our family. And we really feel it very, very personally. But also an amazing pride because, as I've said before, when you look at this group of people who come from every walk of life, religious and secular, and from the towns and from the cities and from the Bedouins and from Philippines, immigrants to this country and when you see them coming together to serve as a, a common cause you can't feel immense pride in that particular aspect of things and this is really the the attitude that's coming back from Gaza from our as soldiers who are serving they're saying let's try and take that and let's try and transplant it in the on the home front on the civilian uh, population to try and create this unity because as the motto and the slogan goes, Yachad Nenatseach, together we will triumph, together we will win, and it needs to be together. We don't always have to agree over everything, but when the chips are down and when there's a difficult situation, we need to come together. And uh, that is where we leave it beautifully said. Anthony Ra, thank you as always, and uh, of course we'll catch you tomorrow morning, 7.45, for the Israel Report. That Israel Report was brought to you by the Blue Agency. Your Israel property is in good hands. Hi, it's Barry Cohen from the Blue Agency. Israel is currently facing one of its biggest challenges ever. All of Klal Israel is praying for the safety of our soldiers and the return of the hostages. We hope and pray that our soldiers and security forces will prevail and that they will all return home speedily and triumphant. We hold the hands of our clients and friends who have children serving in Sahal, who are protecting Israel and Jews around the world. May Hashem protect us all. Oh,